0: Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. As listeners to our show uh, may recognize... Each and every show, we speak about the weekly Torah reading, known in Hebrew as the Parashah. The Torah is divided into 54 readings, which can accommodate the unique nature of the Hebrew calendar, which is an amalgam of solar and lunar calendar. As well, it uh, accommodates the unique nature of Jewish holidays, which vary in their day and uh, month in the secular calendar, uh, depending on the intercalculation between the moon and the sun. And sometimes uh, Jewish holidays are on Shabbat, and the weekly parasha is uh, pushed aside for the holy day or holiday uh, Torah reading. This week, communities throughout the Jewish world our reading in Genesis twenty-five nineteen through Genesis twenty-eight nine, known as Toldot. Uh, perhaps my guest will help us unpack that Hebrew word, but usually it's known as generations. And we begin the Torah portion by learning that Isaac and Rebekah are childless for twenty years. They pray to God and their prayers are answered, and Rebekah conceives. She experiences a difficult pregnancy. The text tells us that the children struggle inside her womb, and God responds to her new prayer by telling her that there are two nations in your womb, and the younger will prevail over the elder. Esau emerges first, and Jacob emerges second. The text tells us, born clutching Esau's heel. Many of you will remember that Esau grows up to be a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and the text tells us Jacob is a wholesome man, a dweller in the tents of learning. Esau favor, Isaac favors Esau. Rebekah loves Jacob. And we know the story of Esau selling his birthrights uh, for a bowl of lentil stew. In Gerar, in the land of the Philistines, Isaac presents Rebekah as his sister, repeating the pattern that we saw with Abraham and Sarah. Esau marries two Hittite women. Isaac grows old and blind and expresses his desire to bless Esau before he dies, offering the blessing of the firstborn. While Esau responds to his father's request for favored food, Rebecca dresses Esau in Esau's clothes, covers his arms and neck with goatskins to simulate the feel of a hairier brother, And Jacob eventually receives his father's blessing. When Esau returns and the deception is revealed, all Isaac can do for his weeping son is to predict that he will live by his sword, and that when Jacob falters, the younger brother will forfeit his supremacy. Jacob leaves home for Haran to flee Esau's wrath and to find a family... In the family of his mother's brother, Laban. It is a Torah portion chock full of many interesting uh, stories and interesting dynamics. My guest this morning to discuss this Torah portion is Rabbi Simcha Bab, who served for 35 years as the congregational rabbi in congregational. In Congregation Eitz Chaim in the western suburbs of Chicago. He is currently serving as an adjunct faculty member at Wheaton College and Elmhurst College. He is the author of the book entitled Jonah and the Meaning of Our Lives. And in that book, he has written a chapter on each of the 48 verses in the book of Jonah drawing on the most accessible commentaries and other biblical sources, traditional wisdom and illustrations from popular culture, to help us understand this interesting text, which is read on Yom Kippur afternoon in many, many Jewish communities. It's a joy to welcome Rabbi Simcha Bob to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. It's good
1: to be here with you today. Um, um, this Torah portion, like so many of them, has enough material for several conversations. The name of the portion, toldot, comes from the first significant Hebrew word. The names that we give to the Torah portion are not like Western book titles, which would describe the content of the entire portion of the entire book. Here is the first significant word. So in Hebrew, the portion begins, Ela Toldot Yitzchak. These are the generations or the offspring of Isaac. So the word generations or offspring, told becomes the description, the title of the portion more than a description of the portion.
0: Thank you. I know that um, most um, comments about this Torah portion focus on Jacob, who will turn out to be the second patriarch of the Jewish people. But you had some interesting insights into the brother, who is usually neglected or sidelined in conversations. So I'm wondering if you could begin our conversation this morning with uh,
1: helping our listeners understand your interest in Esau. So we read the portions every year. So we come to the Torah portion. We're not coming to something that we've never seen before. We're coming to our old friends. I feel each week when I sit down with the Torah portion, I'm visiting my old friend once again. So I read a portion I've read many, many times before, but I don't read it the same way I read it last year. Different things catch my eye. So usually we think of this as, a significant section of the Jacob story. This week I noticed Esau. I had um, been reading a new book called Minor Characters Have Their Day. And it's about, uh, it's a book about contemporary fiction based upon minor characters in other books. So that, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is the, is the first significant example. So we'll tell the Hamlet story from the point of view of the servants. And the scholar who wrote this book about contemporary fiction focuses on these, all these minor characters. I said, okay, let's look at the Hebrew Bible that way. So here we can look at this story from the point of view of the secondary character rather than the major character. And I think as we explore the secondary character of Esau, we'll see there's an awful lot there. Esau is unique. So if I would ask you, what did Abraham look like? What does the Bible tell us about Sarah's appearance? We don't know. Was Noah tall or short? What color was Eve's hair? (laughs) There are things that you would know about people right away if you met them in real life. Or in a contemporary work of fiction, the authors usually describe the appearance of their main characters. In the Hebrew Bible, we know very little about the appearance of anybody. But Esau, our friend for today, Esau, the text tells us about So let's look at this description of the birth of Jacob and Esau, And we'll see that it tells us what Esau looks like.
0: So So we're going to look at the beginning of the parasha, uh, chapter
1: 25. Right, so let's read. We can read, I think, starting in verse verse 23. So chapter 25, verse 23. So Rebecca has inquired why she's got so much tumult inside of her. She had waited for 20 years to become pregnant and now she's uh, pregnant with twins. So my wife and I have uh, twin children and we have twin grandchildren. So being pregnant with twins is something that I have observed. Um, So it's quite, as a father, I shouldn't say I understand it, but I'll just say I have observed it. what what's of course interesting
0: is that as you identified um in your family there are twins which is not unusual but in the hebrew bible this is
1: really the only occurrence of twins it's the only significant occurrence of twins for sure we would have to go look at other poss- other more less well-known stories i think to find other twins so here the bible says she, meaning Rebecca went to inquire of God, and God answered, Two nations are in your womb, two separate peoples shall issue from your body, one, pe- one people shall be mightier than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. When her time to give birth was at hand, there were twins in her womb. The first one emerged red like a hairy mantle over all over, so they called him Esau. Now, Esau, the name Esau, is connected to the Hebrew word Se'er for hairy. And seir is also the name of the place in which Esau's descendants are going to go and live. So he is the founder of a people in a particular place. Now I want to point out the, name, the word read in Hebrew. So the Hebrew Bible, not surprisingly, was originally written in Hebrew. And oftentimes, particularly with the names, the sound of the Hebrew word become important. So the Hebrew word here is Adom. So the word is Adom. And we're going to see this word again. It's the official color for this week's Torah portion. So Esau, we're told, is hairy. So we can imagine that Jacob isn't. Because his brother is point out that his brother is hairy and that he is red. Now, the text tells us that there are two nations, so that one nation is going to spring from the descendants of Jacob, and another nation is going to, descend, to spring from the descendants of Esau. Now, the nation that's going to come from Esau is Edom. He is Adam, and the nation that's going to come for him is Edom. So you can hear the simple wordplay from Adam to Edom. Um.
0: Uh, Rabbi, if I might just ask you um, a quick question um, Adam, as the first human being, comes from a similar root, and Adama. Uh, which is the Hebrew word used to describe the earth. And uh, human beings in the first story of Genesis um, come from the Adama and produce Adam. Um, Some of our listeners who might be uh, um, familiar with those Hebrew terms um, would you say to them that there's some link um, or that we could see a link between
1: um, the hairy person? So we want to know what the person's name means. We want to know what our own name means. We want to know what the people's name, the names, of the biblical characters mean. And the Hebrew Bible uses wordplay all the time. So he's a, Adam, created from Adama. But when we read it in English and call him Adam, created from Adama earth, we don't hear the wordplay. One of our teachers suggests that in English we should call this first person earthling. That He's, he's made from the, the dust of the earth, so he should be called earthling. I being me, who I am, I think he should be, he's made from the dust of the earth, he should be called dusty. <laughs> so if we call him dusty, the wordplay would maintain in English. Well, that's right. English. So here we have hairy okay. man. He saw it if we call him hairy man and he he is from a place that has the same word is used to describe the place uh, um, also he is red and he is going to be the father of the people of his adom is going to be the father of people called edom it's sort of like somebody being called tex particularly if there was originally a person named Tex, then the state formed by the de- his descendants and the state would be called Texas. Um I don't know the right Canadian story to tell, to fill in as an example. Um, I'm sure there must be one.
0: <laughs> so uh, Esau is, as you've identified, the only um, biblical character um, to have... To, to which we are told something about his physical appearance.
1: He just about. I mean, we know that Samson is big and strong. There's few others we know a little bit about. But certainly he's the only one of the matriarchs and patriarchs who are told anything about. Um, and even though there is that identification
0: um, of his physical being, he's still pretty much a minor
1: character in the history of the Jewish people, right? So he is a representative of the people who are not us. So in this story, there are <laughs> there are two groups being described: us and them. <laughs> so Jacob represents us, and Esau represents them. So, uh,
0: and and that obviously is a continuation of the pattern that started with um, Isaac and Ishmael.
1: Yeah, so in, in any question of identity, we need to know who is us and who is them. So uh, this can be in, in, in lighthearted sports competitions. We can have us and them. Um, I can be a, a, a fan of the Chicago Bears or the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And if I am a one or the other, I know who I'm with and who I'm against. I don't know enough about Canadian football to know who I'm against. I'm a fan of the Blue Bombers. But growing up in Minnesota, I I was aware of the existence.
0: Well, this particular year, everybody is second to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers.
1: And I just like saying Blue Bombers. Yes. um. (laughs) It
0: is a wonderful sport. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes.
1: It's it's a lot lot of fun. So, and when you're... uh, when you're a fan of any sport, you have paraphernalia of that team and you have the colors of that team. Um, the, I saw recently the, the, the hockey sweaters of the Ottawa Senators and compare and contrast them <laughs> to the Chicago Blackhawks. And um, we know who we are and we express our support for who we are by wearing the team colors. And here I think there's an expression of team colors.
0: So if we follow that analogy, then um, Isaac's descendants are the people who sit and study as the Torah presents them. And Esau's descendants are uh, certainly a more active group. descendants. They're described in a in a way that makes us think of them as a more active people. And who becomes
1: the descendants of so, Esau? I think the text is telling us that they're ruffians. That you know, so Good that word. we are the cultured people we sit at home and study, and they are the ruffians. So in the time of King David The country of Edom is an active other. So Edom is east of the Jordan River. uh, Perhaps near where uh, the modern city of Amman, Jordan is, or perhaps even south of that. Um, There's a city in southern Jordan today called Petra. Uh, That's the Red Rock and it's built into red mountains, and there's a reasonable likelihood that those red mountains are the source of the name of the country of Edom that used to be located there. Uh, this doesn't take a big big leap to get from red mountains. Right. To the-
0: One doesn't require a PhD in archaeology or uh, geography to understand how the ancients
1: would use those designations. In the time of the in the first temple period, in the time of the Judean kings, Edom was in certain eras a threatening enemy. The Edomites and the Moabites could team up together against the kingdom of Judah. And at high points in Judean power or in the time of the United Kingdom, time of King David They were a vassal state to the United Kingdom of Judah and Israel. So they are the threat. They were at one point in time the threatening other and something that we were really concerned about. So here, this story talking about their origin as um, a relative gives context for the experience or the encounter with the Edomites. In the first temple period, that they are our cousins. They're not the complete enemy. They're our cousins, but they're our ruffian cousins. Many of us have relatives who, when we were children, we were told, stay away from them. (laughs) That's your cousin so and so. Don't go play with them, they'll get you in trouble. (laughs) Go play with this one, they're nice. So we
0: acknowledge the family resemblance, but understand that there may be cultural differences
1: that separate
0: us. That's right.
1: Now, the term Edom has an interesting life of its own. So in rabbinic literature, written during the second temple period, so in the first temple period, Edom is a real place. During the second temple period, or even after the destruction of the Second Temple, during the rabbinic period, the rabbis used the word Edom as a code word. So that in rabbinic literature, Edom is mentioned, and the people who are in the know understand that it's a reference to the Roman Empire. That the rabbis can't get away with saying saying negative things about the Romans because the Romans are watching. So they can say something about the Edomites. And since the Edomites were no longer, by that time, no longer a real force in the world, nobody cares what you say about Edomites. Um, so they can say negative things about the Edomites, but people in the know understand that they're really talking about Rome. So it becomes, so
0: as um, Maimonides would say, Misha Yavin Yavin, those who understand this code word um, know what we're really speaking about. And so you're suggesting that the
1: Edomites become one of the archetypal others. Right. And I think that Esau manages to continue to stand for the threatening other. For the threatening ruffians, for the people who are going to do us damage if we don't pay, if we don't watch out for them, you know, so that there are people who who we're afraid of. Sometimes we're afraid of people we don't have to be afraid of, and other times, no, it's good to be <laughs> to be uh, on the lookout that you should um, lock your doors at night. And <laughs> so, in offering this analysis
0: of um Esau and the Edomites um the Torah seems to portray Isaac um in a more bumbling manner um with regard to his son uh and is there some uh reason or lesson that you think Isaac is portrayed this way, that he can be um, fooled, and that um, Esau is fooled twice in this parasha. Once for his birthright, he's portrayed as a man who's so hungry he'll sell anything for uh, a bowl of soup. And the other is he's sent away to make food. And uh, when he comes back, notice the repetition of this thing that'll do anything for food, which might make him closer to our people than uh, further away. Um, so, how do we understand what the Torah is telling us about um, so Isaac?
1: Let me say one more word about Esau, then I'll talk about Isaac. I'm glad you're asking sure. about Isaac. It gets me to a good place. So, Esau, I'm when I was a kid in Minnesota, there was a professional wrestler called the Crusher. And he talked like this. And I imagine Esau talking like that. Um, <laughs> a, a big, rough guy with a rough voice. Now, earlier when you were summarizing the portion, you described the deception of Isaac, that old Isaac is dying and Jacob, with his mother help, mother's help, pretends to be Esau. So he He brings in this hunter's stew that's supposed to be food that Esau's bringing old dying Isaac. And he puts the wool from the lamb on his arms. And Isaac touches the arms and says, The arms are the arms of Esau, but the voice is the voice of Jacob. So that Isaac goes along with the Ruth. He goes along with the game that he wants to give his number one superior blessing to Esau, his firstborn son. But in his heart of hearts, he understands that Jacob is the one to carry on the family enterprise, that Jacob's going to carry on this covenant with God, and it's not going to be Esau. He's not thoughtful enough. He's not serious enough. He wants to go hunting. I imagine, you he wants to go out and play football. Or, <laughs> or the, I'll change metaphors and imagine him as a big big defenseman guarding the blue line in a hockey game. <laughs> he's, he's ready to hip-check somebody into the boards. Um, that's Esau. But uh, Isaac is the one, I'll keep the hockey metaphor, Isaac is the one who can really carry the puck. He can bring the puck up ice on the power play and get it in the right position to score the goal. And Isaac knows that Jacob is going to be that guy, that Jacob is the leader of the team. Esau is the enforcer. And that's, so he can't give Esau the number one blessing. He has to give it to Jacob. And, but he has to go along with this game. But he understands. So
0: your suggestion is that Isaac is not duped. But rather, Isaac knows um, what's happening and colludes with Rebecca in a way that um, allows him to offer the blessing uh, to Jacob with intentionality. Right. So
1: he sees that what his wife and his younger son are doing, and he could put a stop to the whole thing. But he understands that what they're doing is really for the best. So he doesn't blow up the whole play acting. He goes along with it. He's not really deceived, but he goes along with it because he understands it's the way things have to happen.
0: Um, It's really um, um, enticing to talk about what happens between Esau and uh, Jacob later in the Torah, but it's beyond our uh, portion this week. Uh, My guest this week has been Rabbi Simcha Bob of um, suburbs near Chicago. Not quite sure how he wants to uh, identify his area, but um, he has invited us to see this portion as an opportunity to explore one of the minor characters in the uh, genealogy of the Jewish people as the Torah presents it. I want to thank him for joining us and sharing his wisdom with all of us. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. You can hear a podcast of this morning's uh, show on uh, WCHRI.ca website, or as a podcast on uh, iTunes. Um, Shalom, and have a good day.